0: Section four of Tales of Old Japan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tales of Old Japan by Lord Reedsdale. Section four The Loves of Gompachi and Komurasaki. Part two. About two hundred and thirty years ago there lived in the service of Ademio of the province of inaba a young man called shirae kompachi who when he was but sixteen years of age had already won a name for his personal beauty and valour and for his skill in the use of arms now it happened that one day a dog belonging to him fought with another dog belonging to a fellow clansman and the two masters being both passionate youths disputing as to whose dog had the best of the fight quarreled and came to blows, and Gompachi slew his adversary, and in consequence of this he was obliged to flee from his country and make his escape to Edo. And so Gompachi set out on his travels. One night, weary and footsore, he entered what appeared to him to be a roadside inn, ordered some refreshment, and went to bed, little thinking of the danger that menaced him. For as luck would have it, This inn turned out to be the trysting place of a gang of robbers, in whose clutches he had thus unwittingly fallen. To be sure, Gompachi's purse was but scantily furnished, but his sword and dirk were worth some three hundred ounces of silver, and upon these the robbers, of whom there were ten, had cast envious eyes, and had determined to kill the owner for their sake, but he, all unsuspicious, slept on in fancied security in the middle of the night he was startled from his deep slumbers by someone stealthily opening the sliding door which led into his room and rousing himself with an effort he beheld a beautiful young girl fifteen years of age who making signs to him not to stir came up to his bedside and said to him in a whisper sir the master of this house is the chief of a gang of robbers who have been plotting to murder you this night for the sake of your clothes and your sword. As for me, I am the daughter of a rich merchant in Mikawa. Last year the robbers came to our house and carried off my father's treasure and myself. I pray you, sir, take me with you and let us fly from this dreadful place. She wept as she spoke, and Gompachi was at first too much startled to answer, but being a youth of high courage and a cunning fencer to boot, he soon recovered his presence of mind and determined to kill the robbers and to deliver the girl out of their hands so he replied since you say so i will kill these thieves and rescue you this very night only do you when i begin the fight run outside the house that you may be out of harm's way and remain in hiding until i join you upon this understanding the maiden left him and went her way but he lay awake holding his breath and watching And when the thieves crept noiselessly into the room, where they supposed him to be fast asleep, he cut down the first man that entered, and stretched him dead at his feet. The other nine, seeing this, laid about them with their drawn swords, but Gompachi, fighting with desperation, mastered them at last, and slew them. After thus ridding himself of his enemies, he went outside the house and called to the girl, who came running to his side, and joyfully travelled on with him to Mikawa, where her father dwelt and when they reached Mikawa, he took the maiden to the old man's house and told him how when he had fallen among thieves his daughter had come to him in his hour of peril and saved him out of her great pity and how he in return rescuing her from her servitude had brought her back to her home when the old folk saw their daughter whom they had lost restored to them they were beside themselves with joy and shed tears for very happiness and in their gratitude they pressed gompachi to remain with them and they prepared feasts for him and entertained him hospitably but their daughter who had fallen in love with him for his beauty and knightly valour spent her days in thinking of him and of him alone the young man however in spite of the kindness of the old merchant who wished to adopt him as his son and tried hard to persuade him to consent to this was fretting to go to Edo, and take service as an officer in the household of some noble lord so he resisted the entreaties of the father and the soft speeches of the daughter and made ready to start on his journey and the old merchant seeing that he would not be turned away from his purpose gave him a parting gift of two hundred ounces of silver and sorrowfully bade him farewell but alas for the grief of the maiden who sat sobbing her heart out and mourning over her lover's departure. He, all the while thinking more of ambition than of love, went to her and comforted her, and said, Dry your eyes, sweetheart, and weep no more, for I shall soon come back to you. Do you, in the meanwhile, be faithful and true to me, and tend your parents with filial piety. So she wiped away her tears and smiled again, when she heard him promise that he would soon return to her and Gompachi went his way, and in due time came near to Edo. But his dangers were not yet over, for late one night, arriving at a place called Sizugamori, in the neighborhood of Edo, he fell in with six highwaymen, who attacked him, thinking to make short work of killing and robbing him. Nothing daunted he drew his sword, and dispatched two out of the six, but, being weary and worn out with his long journey, he was sorely pressed and the struggle was going hard with him, when a wardsman, who happened to pass that way riding in a chair, seeing the affray, jumped down from his chair and drawing his dirt, came to the rescue, and between them they put the robbers to flight. Now it turned out that this kind tradesman, who had so happily come to the assistance of Gompachi, was no other than Chobe of Banzuin, the chief of the Otokodate, or friendly society of the wardsmen of Edo a man famous in the annals of the city whose life exploits and adventures are recited to this day and form the subject of another tale when the highwayman had disappeared gompachi turning to his deliverer said i know not who you may be sir but i have to thank you for rescuing me from a great danger and as he proceeded to express his gratitude chobei replied i am but a poor wardsman "'A humble man in my way, sir, and if the robbers ran away, it was more by good luck than owing to any merit of mine. But I am filled with admiration at the way you fought. You displayed a courage and a skill that were beyond your years, sir.' "'Indeed,' said the young man, smiling with pleasure at hearing himself praised, "'I am still young and inexperienced, and am quite ashamed of my bungling style of fencing.' and now may i ask you sir whither are you bound that is almost more than i know myself for i'm a ronin and have no fixed purpose in view that is a bad job said chobei who felt pity for the lad however if you will excuse my boldness in making such an offer being but a wardsman until you shall have taken service i would fain place my poor house at your disposal gonpachi accepted the offer of his new but trusty friend with thanks so chobei led him to his house where he lodged him and hospitably entertained him for some months and now Gompachi, being idle and having nothing to care for fell into bad ways and began to lead a dissolute life thinking of nothing but gratifying his whims and passions he took to frequenting the yoshiwara the quarter of the town which is set aside for tea-houses and other haunts of wild young men his handsome face and figure attracted attention and soon made him a great favorite with all the beauties of the neighborhood about this time men began to speak loud in praise of the charms of Komurasaki, or little purple a young girl who had recently come to the yoshiwara and who in beauty and accomplishments outshone all her rivals kompachi like the rest of the world heard so much of her fame that he determined to go to the house where she dwelt at the sign of the three sea coasts and judge for himself whether she deserved all that men said of her accordingly he set out one day and having arrived at the three sea coasts, asked to see komurasaki and being shown into the room where she was sitting advanced towards her but when their eyes met they both started back with a cry of astonishment for this komurasaki the famous beauty of the yoshiwara proved to be the very girl whom several months before gompachi had rescued from the robber's den and restored to her parents in mikawa he had left her in prosperity and affluence the darling child of a rich father when they had exchanged vows of love and fidelity and now they met in a common stew in edo what a change what a contrast how had the riches turned to rust the vows to lies what is this? cried Gonpachi, when he had recovered from his surprise. How is it that I find you here pursuing this vile calling in the Yoshiwara? pray explain this to me, for there is some mystery beneath all this which I do not understand. But Komurasaki, who, having thus unexpectedly fallen in with her lover that she had yearned for, was divided between joy and shame, answered, weeping, Alas! My tale is a sad one, and would be long to tell. After you left us last year, calamity and reverses fell upon our house, and when my parents became poverty-stricken, I was at my wit's end to know how to support them. So I sold this wretched body of mine to the master of this house, and sent the money to my father and mother. But in spite of this, troubles and misfortunes multiplied upon them, and now, at last, they have died of misery and grief and, oh, lives there in this wide world so unhappy a wretch as I. But now that I have met you again, you who are so strong, help me who am weak. You saved me once. Do not, I implore you, desert me now. And as she told her piteous tale, the tears streamed from her eyes. This is indeed a sad story, replied Gompachi, much affected by the recital. There must have been a wonderful run of bad luck, to bring such misfortune upon your house which but a little while ago i recollect so prosperous however mourn no more for i will not forsake you it is true that i am too poor to redeem you from your servitude but at any rate i will contrive so that you shall be tormented no more love me therefore and put your trust in me when she heard him speak so kindly she was comforted and wept no more but poured out her whole heart to him And forgot her past sorrows in the great joy of meeting him again. When it became time for them to separate, he embraced her tenderly and returned to Chobei's house. But he could not banish Komurasaki from his mind, and all day long he thought of her alone. And so it came about that he went daily to the Yoshiwara to see her, and if any accident detained him, she, missing the accustomed visit, would become anxious and write to him to inquire the cause of his absence. At last, pursuing this course of life, his stock of money ran short, and as, being a ronin and without any fixed employment, he had no means of renewing his supplies, he was ashamed of showing himself penniless at the three sea-coasts. Then it was that a wicked spirit arose within him, and he went out and murdered a man, and having robbed him of his money, carried it to the Yoshiwara. From bad to worse is an easy step, and the tiger that has once tasted blood is dangerous blinded and infatuated by his excessive love gompachi kept on slaying and robbing so that while his outer man was fair to look upon the heart within him was that of a hideous devil at last his friend Chobei could no longer endure the sight of him and turned him out of his house and as sooner or later virtue and vice meet with their reward it came to pass that gompachi's crimes became notorious and the government having set spies upon his track he was caught red-handed and arrested and his evil deeds having been fully proved against him he was carried off to the execution ground at Mori, the bell grove and beheaded as a common malefactor now when gompachi was dead Chobei's old affection for the young man returned and being a kind and pious man He went and claimed his body and head, and buried him at Meguro, at the grounds of the temple called Buronji. When Komurasaki heard the people at Yoshiwara gossiping about her lover's end, her grief knew no bounds. So she fled secretly from the three sea coasts, and came to Meguro, and threw herself upon the newly made grave. Long she prayed, and bitterly she wept over the tomb of him whom, with all his faults, she had loved so well and then drawing a dagger from her girdle she plunged it into her breast and died the priests of the temple when they saw what had happened wondered greatly and were astonished at the loving faithfulness of this beautiful girl and taking compassion on her they laid her side by side with gompachi in one grave and over the grave they placed a stone which remains to this day bearing the inscription the tomb of the shioku and still the people of edo visit the place and still they praise the beauty of Gompachi and the filial piety and fidelity of Komurasaki. Let us linger for a moment longer in the old graveyard. The word which I have translated a few lines above as loving-kindness means literally chastity. When Komurasaki sold herself to supply the wants of her ruined parents, she was not, according to her lights, forfeiting her claim to virtue, on the contrary she could perform no greater act of filial piety and so far from incurring reproach among her people her self-sacrifice would be worthy of all praise in their eyes this idea has led to grave misunderstanding abroad and indeed no phase of japanese life has been so misrepresented as this i have heard it stated and seen it printed that it is no disgrace for a respectable japanese to sell his daughter that men of position and family often choose their wives from such places as the three sea-coasts, and that up to the time of her marriage the conduct of a young girl is no matter of importance whatever. Nothing could be more unjust or more untrue. It is only the neediest of people that sell their children to be waitresses, singers, or prostitutes. It does occasionally happen that the daughter of a samurai, or gentleman, is found in a house of ill fame, but such a case could only occur at the death or utter ruin of the parents and an official investigation of the matter has proved it to be so exceptional that the presence of a young lady in such a place is an enormous attraction her superior education and accomplishments shedding a lustre over the house as for gentlemen marrying women of bad character are not such things known in europe do ladies of the demi-monde never make good marriages alliances are far rarer in Japan than with us. Certainly among the lowest class of the population such marriages may occasionally occur, for it often happens that a woman can lay by a tempting dowry out of her wretched earnings, but amongst the gentry of the country they are unknown. And yet a girl is not disgraced if for her parents' sake she sells herself to a life of misery so great that, when a Japanese enters a house of ill-fame, he is forced to leave his sword and dirk at the door for two reasons first to prevent brawling secondly because it is known that some of the women inside so loathe their existence that they would put an end to it could they get hold of a weapon it is a curious fact that in all the daimyo's castle towns with the exception of some which are also seaports open prostitution is strictly forbidden although if report speaks truly public morality rather suffers than gains by the prohibition the misapprehension which exists upon the subject of prostitution in japan may be accounted for by the fact that foreign writers basing their judgment upon the vice of the open ports have not hesitated to pronounce the japanese women unchaste as fairly might a japanese writing about england argue from the street-walkers of portsmouth or plymouth to the wise sisters and daughters of these very authors in some respects the gulf fixed between virtue and vice in japan is even greater than in england the eastern courtesan is confined to a certain quarter of the town and is distinguished by a peculiarly gaudy costume and by a headdress which consists of a forest of light tortoise-shell hairpins stuck round her head like a saint's glory a glory of shame which a modest woman would sooner die than wear vice jostling virtue in the public places virtue imitating the fashions set by vice and buying trinkets of furniture at the sale of vice's effects these are social phenomena which the east knows not the custom prevalent among the lower orders of bathing in public bath-houses without distinction of the sexes is another circumstance which has tended to spread abroad very false notions upon the subject of the chastity of the japanese women every traveller is shocked by it and every writer finds in it matter for a page of pungent description. Yet it is only those who are so poor, and they must be poor indeed, that they cannot afford a bath at home, who, at the end of their day's work, go to the public bath-house to refresh themselves, before sitting down to their evening meal. Having been used to the scene from their childhood, they see no indelicacy in it. It is a matter of course, and on y soit qui mal y pense, certainly there is far less indecency and immorality resulting from this public bathing than from the promiscuous herding together of all sexes and ages which disgraces our own lodging-houses in the great cities and the hideous hovels in which some of our laborers have to pass their lives nor can it be said that there is more confusion of sexes among the lowest orders in japan than in europe speaking upon the subject once with a japanese gentleman I observed that we considered it an act of indecency for men and women to wash together. He shrugged his shoulders as he answered, But then Westerns have such prurient minds. Some time ago, at the open port of Yokohama, the government, out of deference to the prejudices of foreigners, forbade the men and women to bathe together, and no doubt this was the first step towards putting down the practice altogether. As for women tubbing in the open streets of Edo, I have read of such things in books written by foreigners, but during a residence of three years and a half, in which time I crossed and recrossed every part of the great city at all hours of the day, I never once saw such a sight. I believe myself that it can only be seen at certain hot mineral springs in remote country districts. The best answer to the general charge of immorality which has been brought against the Japanese women during their period of unmarried life lies in the fact that every man who can afford to do so keeps the maidens of his family closely guarded in the strictest seclusion. The daughter of poverty, indeed, must work and go abroad, but not a man is allowed to approach the daughter of a gentleman. And she is taught that if by accident any insult should be offered to her, the knife which she carries at her girdle is meant for use, and not merely as a badge of her rank not long ago a tragedy took place in the house of one of the chief nobles in edo one of my lady's tar women herself a damsel of gentle blood and gifted with rare beauty had attracted the attention of a retainer in the palace who fell desperately in love with her for a long time the strict rules of decorum by which she was hedged in prevented him from declaring his passion but at last he contrived to gain access to her presence and so far forgot himself that she, drawing her poniard, stabbed him in the eye, so that he was carried off fainting and presently died. The girl's declaration, that the dead man had attempted to insult her, was held to be sufficient justification for her deed, and, instead of being blamed, she was praised and extolled for her valour and chastity. As the affair had taken place within the four walls of a powerful noble, There was no official investigation into the matter with which the authorities of the palace were competent to deal the truth of this story was vouched for by two or three persons whose word i have no reason to doubt and who had themselves been mixed up in it i can bear witness that it is in complete harmony with japanese ideas and certainly it seems more just that lucretia should kill tarkin than herself the better the japanese people come to be known and understood the more I am certain. Will it be felt that a great injustice has been done to them in the sweeping attacks which have been made upon their women? Writers are agreed, I believe, that their matrons are, as a rule, without reproach. If their maidens are chaste, as I contend that from very force of circumstances they cannot help being, what becomes of all these charges of vice and immodesty? Do they not rather recoil upon the accusers, who would appear to have studied the japanese women only in the harlot of yokohama having said so much i will now try to give some account of the famous yoshiwara of edo to which frequent allusion will have to be made in the course of these tales at the end of the sixteenth century the courtesans of edo lived in three special places these were the street called kojimachi in which dwelt the women who came from kyoto the kamakura street A spot opposite the great bridge in which last two places lived women brought from Suruga. Besides these there afterwards came women from Fushimi and from Nara, who lodged scattered here and there throughout the town. This appears to have scandalized a certain reformer named Choji Jinemon, who, in the year sixteen twelve, addressed a memorial to the government, petitioning that the women who lived in different parts of the town should be collected in one flower quarter. His petition was granted in the year sixteen seventeen and he fixed upon a place called fukiyacho which on account of the quantities of rushes which grew there was named yoshiwara or the rush moor a name which nowadays by a play upon the word yoshi is written with two chinese characters signifying the good or lucky moor the place was divided into four streets called the edo street the second edo street the kyoto street and the second Kyoto Street, in the eighth month of the year sixteen fifty five when Edo was beginning to increase in size and importance, the Yoshiwara preserving its name, was transplanted bodily to the spot which it now occupies at the northern end of the town, and the streets in it were named after the places from which the greater number of their inhabitants originally came, as the Sakai street, the Fushimi street etc the official guide to the yoshiwara for eighteen sixty nine gives a return of one hundred fifty three brothels containing three thousand two hundred eighty nine courtesans of all classes from the oiran or proud beauty who dressed up in gorgeous brocade of gold and silver with painted face and gilded lips and with her teeth fashionably blacked has all the young bloods of edo at her feet down to the humble shinzo or white-toothed woman who rots away her life in the common stews. These figures do not, however, represent the whole of the prostitution of Edo. The Yoshiwara is the chief, but not the only abiding place of the public women. At Fukagawa there is another flower district, built upon the same principle as the Yoshiwara, while at Shinagawa, Shinjiku, Itabashi, Senji, and Katsukapara, the hotels contain women who, nominally only waitresses, are in reality prostitutes there are also women called Jikoku onna or hell women who without being born on the books of any brothel live in their own houses and ply the trade in secret on the whole i believe the amount of prostitution in edo to be wonderfully small considering the vast size of the city there are three hundred ninety four tea houses in the yoshiwara which are largely used as places of assignation and which on those occasions are paid not by the visitors frequenting them but by the keepers of the brothels it is also the fashion to give dinners and drinking parties at these houses for which the services of taiko mochi or jesters among whom there are thirty-nine chief celebrities and of singing and dancing girls are retained the guide to the yoshiwara gives a list of fifty-five famous singing girls besides a host of minor stars these women are not to be confounded with the courtesans their conduct is very closely watched by their masters and they always go out to parties in couples or in bands so that they may be a check upon one another doubtless however in spite of all precautions the shower of gold does from time to time find its way to danae's lap and to be the favoured lover of a fashionable singer or dancer is rather a feather in the cap of a fast young japanese gentleman the fee paid to singing girls for performing during a space of 2 hours is 1 shilling and 4 pence each for 6 hours the fee is quadrupled and it is customary to give the girls a hana or present for themselves besides their regular pay which goes to the master of the troupe to which they belong courtesans singing women and dancers are bought by contractors either as children when they are educated for their calling or at a more advanced age when their accomplishments and charms render them desirable investments the engagement is never made lifelong for once past a flower of their youth the poor creatures would be mere burdens upon their masters a courtesan is usually bought until she shall have reached the age of 27 after which she becomes her own property singers remain longer in harness but even they rarely work after the age of 30 for japanese women like italians age quickly and have none of that intermediate stage between youth and old age, which seems to be confined to countries where there is a twilight. Children destined to be trained as singers are usually bought when they are five or six years old, a likely child fetching from about thirty-five to fifty shillings. The purchaser undertakes the education of his charge, and brings the little thing up as his own child. The parents signed a waiver absolving him from all responsibility in case of sickness or accident, but they know that their child will be well treated and cared for, the interest of the buyer being their material guarantee. Girls of fifteen or upwards who are sufficiently accomplished to join a company of singers fetch ten times the price paid for children, for in their case there is no risk and no expense of education. Little children who are bought for purposes of prostitution at the age of five or six years fetch about the same price as those that are bought to be singers. During the novitiate, they are employed to wait upon the oiran, or fashionable courtesans, in the capacity of little female pages, or camuro. They are mostly the children of distressed persons, or orphans, whom their relatives cruelly sell rather than be at the expense and trouble of bringing them up of the girls who enter the profession later in life some are orphans who have no other means of earning a livelihood others sell their bodies out of filial piety that they may succour their sick or needy parents others are married women who enter the yoshiwara to supply the wants of their husbands and a very small proportion is recruited from girls who have been seduced and abandoned perhaps sold by faithless lovers The time to see the Yoshiwara to the best advantage is just after nightfall, when the lamps are lighted. Then it is that the women, who for the last two hours have been engaged in gilding their lips and painting their eyebrows black, and their throats and bosoms a snowy white, carefully leaving three brown Van Dyke color points where the back of the head joins the neck, in accordance with one of the strictest rules of Japanese cosmetic science, leave the back rooms and take their places side by side in a kind of long narrow cage the wooden bars of which open on to the public thoroughfare here they sit for hours gorgeous in dresses of silk and gold and silver embroidery speechless and motionless as wax figures until they shall have attracted the attention of some of the passers-by who begin to throng the place at yokohama indeed and at the other open ports The women of the Yoshiwara are allowed in their invitations to visitors, frequently relieving the monotony of their own language by some blasphemous term of endearment picked up from British and American seamen. But in the flower district at Edo, and wherever Japanese customs are untainted, the utmost decorum prevails. Although the shape which vice takes is ugly enough, still it has this merit that it is unobtrusive never need the pure be contaminated by contact with the impure he who goes to the yoshiwara goes there knowing full well what he will find but the virtuous man may live through his life without having this kind of vice forced upon his sight here again did the open ports contrast unfavourably with other places yokohama at night is as leprous a place as the london haymarket a public woman or singer on entering her profession Assumes a nom de guerre by which she is known until her engagement is at an end. Some of these names are so pretty and quaint that I will take a few specimens from the Yoshiwara Saiken, the guide book upon which this notice is based. Little Pine, Little Butterfly, Brightness of the Flowers, The Jewel River, Gold Mountain, Pearl Harp, The Stork That Lives a Thousand Years, Village of Flowers, Sea Beach, The little dragon, little purple, silver, chrysanthemum, waterfall, white brightness, forest of cherries, these and a host of other quaint conceits are the one prettiness of a very foul place. End of section four.